Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speakers feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, James. Uh, James Compulsive Overeater. <laughs> Thank you. Um, wow, what a great meeting to be a part of. I will just share that I am very nervous today. Um, something about the ridiculousness of being able to see that there are 147 people, like when you step into a room, my brain doesn't count properly ever, so that's good. But this is a, there's a factual number there and it, 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 it does something to my brain about like, this would be a much better, uh, this would be much better if it was three. Um, <clears throat> so, um, I have been in program for five years. I'm 11 days off five years of, uh, five years of abstinence. Um, I started with um, no binging, and my abstinence has developed from there. But um, binging was definitely the the issue to begin with, and I will just say binging has been an issue since I was three or four years old. I learned how to binge, and um, that was always easy. That was always easy for me. It was always sugar. Uh, I, I was addicted from a very young age, and I knew that that brought me some kind of relief very early on. Um, I, uh, at the beginning of this meeting, I heard the words, time is not the indicator of recovery. Uh, and I think that that's so interesting. I um, I facilitate a, a, a group dealing with uh, grief and the loss of people. And uh, one of the things that's said in that group is, it's not, it's not time heals, it's what you do with the time. Um, and I, I can see that that is a case in, in, in life. Um, and certainly for me in this program, that has been the case. Now, that does not mean I've rushed through my steps. I'm still first time round. I've been in program for over five years and I'm on step 10. Um, I, I'm glad I didn't rush this. I am glad that um, I found what powerlessness was. I, I'll, I'll go back quickly to share that. Um, Sorry, I have a dog and he is just driving me insane. Um, I, this at its worst was four or five uh, days of binging every week. Uh, the promise that I would not binge anymore uh, the evening after I'd binged, asking God who I apparently didn't believe in anymore to take the pain of binging away because I was so full, uh, blacking out, 
And then waking up the next day feeling so much shame for what I'd done, terrified of putting on weight, terrified of, um, yeah, changing shape. I, I also have that side of the disease. My brain does not show me the truth. So one day I can look in the mirror and think, and think I'm fat. That's very important to me too, is I've never felt fat in the whole of my life. I think I'm fat. Um, and the next day I could look in the mirror and see something completely different. Now, I know having been in program for five years, those two things, they don't match. There's no way that there could be such a dramatic change from I'm fat to I am slim in one day. However, that is how my brain wants to work around this. So I, I was doing that binging. I was definitely, um, I was definitely being affected by binging. I was not, I was not able to focus. I was obsessed with the next time I was going to eat. And I was also obsessed with somehow trying to restrict the food that was going in because I didn't want to get any bigger. So there was just this constant loop of, am I going to eat? No, I'm not going to eat. Yes, I'm going to eat. Shall I have the food now? No, I won't have the food now. I remember sitting in a restaurant with a friend. I don't know what we were talking about because all I was thinking about was the jar of massive cookies on the counter and thinking, am I going to have one of those when this is over or am I not going to have one? I think I'm going to have one. I'm not going to, I won't have one. I, I, I won't have one. I will have one. I'm going to have one. It's going to taste really just the obsessive insanity of it all. Um, so the powerlessness, step one, uh, happened because I walked into program and I decided with the help of my sponsor that um, sugar and flour had to go because I was actually there to lose weight. I wasn't there. I wasn't there for um, the program. I was just there to lose weight. So I, I, I did sugar and flour and I was rolling along for eight or nine days. It was going ever so well for me. Um, and I was doing it. Um, and day 10 hit and I found myself at a certain store buying my favorite things, which consisted of ice cream, pizza, cookies, uh, trail mix if I was really going for it, which I was that night because I hadn't done it for 10 days. And then I would go home, close all the blinds, put the television on. But this particular time, because I'd sat in the rooms for 10 days, I knew I didn't want to eat the food and yet I could not help but put the spoon to my mouth. I couldn't help it. I was like, I'm not gonna, not gonna eat it. And there I was with the spoon in my mouth. Um, and that was the indicator for me of powerlessness. Like I truly found powerlessness in that moment, which was, I don't want to eat this, but I can't help it. It's in my mouth before I know it. Um, and I'm so grateful for that moment because that helped me introduce step one into my life. I am powerless over foods. I'm powerless over specific foods, but food in general is a problem for me. It's just, a, it's just an issue. It's something I need to know about. Uh, there are foods that do not, do not bother me. In actual fact, if you offer it to me, I'm going to turn my nose up, but they're few and far between and they've got less. Um, so food in general is an issue. Um, Compulsively eating food was an issue. Um, and my powerlessness over that food was definitely a problem. The unmanageability side of that was, 
I was powerless over the food. I ate the food. The unmanageability came afterwards because my brain couldn't let go of that. I couldn't. I then had, I was obsessed with the fact that I'd eaten. How was I going to work it off? So then I, I used exercise bulimia to really do that. Um, I would work out how many calories and then stand on a machine or do weights or whatever I thought it was that was going to burn off that amount of calories in actual fact so I could do it again. It wasn't to burn off the day before. It was so that I could then take part in, in the same activity. Uh, and that cycle had really progressed from really progressed from when I left home at 17 to when I got into the rooms at what am I 32. Um, You know, the steps uh, for me have, have been very powerful. I, I grew up um, in a, what I would consider to be a, a reasonably religious uh, household. My father was pretty stringent about what religion looked like, what God looked like, what you were allowed to say and what you weren't allowed to say, what was blasphemous, what wasn't blasphemous. Um, there wasn't, there was a huge rigidity around uh, religion. And I remember asking him about, uh, well, I don't understand how God made the world in seven days. And he said, well, um, I, I don't really know. And I said, well, well yeah, I know. But how, I mean, how did that happen in seven days? Like, I, I don't, I don't really get it. And he was like, I don't know. And so I asked for a third time. He went, listen, James. Um, I don't have to ask those questions and nor do you. And that is the rigidity of my upbringing in terms of religion. So uh, that, was, that was the kind of God that I grew up with. It was an unquestioned God. Um, and so two and three for me, there was like a foundational, there was a foundational system in place. I had learned how to, how to pray. Um, I'm not sure I knew as a child what I was praying to. It, I didn't have any real sense of that, apart from maybe some, some white area with a big man who I was praying to to look after my family. That's the sort of vibe I was going for. Um, and I was sort of okay with that. I just wasn't um, okay with, or at least I took on the, the punishing side of, of that religion that, that I was in. Um, and then by the time I got to 17 or 18 and I was dealing with my sexuality and dealing with the fact that I was gay, I, um, I was begging God for help with that. And the help that I was begging for was make me not me. Make me not me. Just, just do that because making me me means that you're going to punish me. And I don't understand why you, again, I don't understand why you've done it. So um, we weren't, I wasn't allowed to question it. So then I had to ask for the help. And, and what happened for me was I remember turning away from any kind of higher power, any kind of anything and thinking, I got it. I got it. I'm going to control this. So I left God is what really happened. I know people, I hear it like God never left me. That's the important thing to say. Never. There is no way if I look back at my life, and look at the things that have happened, where I am, how the hell I got to LA, that is a story that only God could have been a part of. And then learning that like, I came here as an actor, I'll tell you right now, I am no longer an actor and that is because of this program. Uh, that is because all I wanted to do was be famous. 
I needed that validation. That was my life. I had only one focus. And God was like, no, that's not what we're doing here in LA, just so you know. Um, and thank goodness for that. I'm so, I, I cannot tell you how grateful I am. And here's what's important for me. I have to remember this. I'm going through a bit of a period right now where I'm not feeling that connected to God. I'm not really doing my prayers. Um, I'm not really meditating. And I go through bouts like that. Um, however, saying that, I am doing step 10 on a regular basis. Uh, when I don't feel good about something that I've done or said, there's this thing that happens where I'm like, okay, I've got I've to apologize for that. Or it's in there and I know that that has to happen. And that is only because of the step work. And so what program has taught me is like, be, be kind to myself. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not getting on my knees every day. I'm not meditating every day. I do tend to function better when I do that. However, give myself a break and also recognize that I am working the steps. I work the steps on a daily basis. And for me to work the steps on a daily basis, for me to, to recognize, oh, that went wrong, or I don't like what I did there, I must have some connection with, with my higher power because I'm not capable of that otherwise. And the reason that I am talking so much about God is, here's my danger. My danger is, I believe I did it. When I start to believe I'm in control, I'm in big trouble. I'm in real big trouble because I'm not. I'm not in control of my life other than the way that I respond to things, but I'm not in control of how life turns up. I don't want to be in control of how life turns up. Um, I've tried that, it was horrific. Um, I'm not in control of how other people work, what other people do. I'm in, I have some control when I'm connected to a higher power about how I respond to those things. And that's all I have to take responsibility for. And that is a huge, huge, huge part of this program for me. So that, I'm talking about God, therefore I must have been on step two and three when I, when I left the steps that I was talking about. Um, powerless, unmanageable, came to believe and came to give my life to a power greater than myself. It's not perfect. It really isn't perfect. I don't give up my food every single day. I just don't. Sometimes I want food that is not great for me and I still eat it. But here's the deal. I haven't binged for five years. I, I haven't touched sugar, knowingly touched sugar. I need to be very careful with that. I haven't touched sugar for three. Um, and, and when I have had sugar in, a, in something that I recognize it immediately, and then I'm given, which is incredible, the choice to throw that product out, check it. Yes, it's got sugar in it. I didn't realize. Now what do I do? Throw it out. It's just the only thing for me to do. Because if I, if I eat or drink that, I've broken my abstinence, number one. Number two, I just don't want to deal with what I'm going to do to myself because I don't deserve it. If I drink it, it's not worth it anymore. Um, and three, <laughs> I didn't know my sponsor was going to be on this call. Um, and he was in the room when I first walked in five years ago, he was there 
but I don't want to have to go to my sponsor with it either. I just don't. I can't be bothered with the whole bit of, God, I drank this thing. Did I break my abstinence? Didn't I break my abstinence? And us having to have a conversation. I've done that. It's uncomfortable. I've held on for three weeks when I thought I might have broken my abstinence. And that was something else that I heard in um, the preamble is honesty, rigorous, rigorous honesty. When I am not honest around my food, shit starts going wrong with the rest of my life because I'm not, I start being like, well, I'm not going to be honest around my food. I can probably be a little bit less honest about whether I've been uh, around step 10. If I'm told, if, you know, like, do I really need to say, I don't really need to say sorry for that. And then I'll eat another bar of whatever. No, my life was unmanageable before this program. I don't want that again. I can't, I can't, I can't do it again. And also the gift of this program and the gift that my life is now in comparison, it, I, I, it's just, God has given me the, the pause. They say, what is it? <laughs> a second a year, geez. So God has given me five second pause to be like, do I want to or don't I want to? Five seconds, even a second. When it was a year and I used to get a second pause, I'd be like, I don't, I don't really want to, even though it was a lot stronger. That pause is the changer for me. And it's only given to me when I connect to a higher power. Um, you know, my sponsor talks to me about how these steps build on one another and, and he's, so right, and at the time when step four was lurking, um, I was really frightened. I was really frightened because there was a lot in my mind. There were a lot of things I had guilt for. There were a lot of things I felt resentful for. Um, and I was frightened to look at my part. I was pretty good at saying, hey, this person did that. I'm still really good at that, if I'm totally honest. Um, this person did that, and that's justifiable anger. I keep reading about justifiable anger. I love a bit of justifiable anger, if I'm honest. Uh, and there's no place for it. There's no place for it in my life. Um, I, I know that I still get angry. It's important for me to have those feelings. However, I need to share them with someone who, who is safe. Many fellows for me are safe. That's the wonderful thing about program. They will listen to me rant and rave. And then um, I need to look at my part in what happened because the likelihood is I have a part to play. In actual fact, there isn't, apart from when I was a child, less of a part to play often. However, I've continued those behaviors as an adult and now I'm responsible for those behaviors. So I can't keep blaming my childhood for my resentments and not move forward into adulthood. Well, for me, I want to move forward into adulthood and take responsibility because I, I can. I also have to look after that child inside me and say, you know what, it's, it's okay. I can be angry. I can have those feelings and know that there is also a solution to that when I've processed those feelings. So four was frightening and yet five, sharing it with another person also frightening um, but you know, that is, that's another gift of this program is, is learning that there are, there are fellows who are, who are not judgmental. They are. And even if they judge, I've never, like my, my sponsor, if he judges, I don't know. 
he's the person that has taught me non-judgment. He's honestly the person that has taught me about loving myself and understanding what that actually looks like. And I can only give that to my higher power because without program, without stepping foot into these rooms, without someone saying to me, the way that you treat food is the way that I treat alcohol, and he was in AA. Um, without those things and without my willingness to walk in, I wouldn't have learned what unconditional love is. And that is because of a higher power. I didn't know it at the time, but I understand that looking back through my life, my higher power was always, always there. There's just no way. I turned away on a number of occasions, number, number, number of occasions. They did not. Um, five, liberating. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, something's come to me and it's, it's, it's from a movie. It does not matter. Uh, but it makes me think of this part of a movie and it's, it's, she's counting and it doesn't matter. Goodness me. Um, six and seven, six, identifying my character defects through four and five. Oof. You know, here's me being hard on myself. There's a list that my sponsor gave me and it, it, <laughs> it entailed about a hundred different character defects with their um, positive aspects. And I remember going through that list and, and being able to tick off about 95% of them, which is about 95 character defects. That's how hard I was on myself. It's unrealistic. Um, it's unrealistic. So he was like, James, let's just look at the first 10, shall we? Um, and so I did. I looked at those first 10 and um, step six and seven really started to show me where, where, they, were, where they were coming up in my life. Um, and the gratitude I have for seven, probably one of the most profound steps I've ever taken, was to really let God in and trust that God will um, deal with them in his time, his, her, their time. Um, and, and what that means to me is I don't have to take contrary action. That's what I, 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 you know, part of my control is I recognize that I have character defects. I recognize when it comes up and therefore then I need to take contrary action. And what step seven teaches me is stop that, number one. And number two, God will deal with that in their time. And so all I had to do was A, recognize the character defect and B, rec B, recognize why it was coming up and what service it provided me and C, let it go and get on with my day. So sometimes I needed to make an amends immediately because the character defect had come up and it had affected another person. Sometimes I'm sat in my car and I have road rage and I realize I'm in the midst of road rage and I'm angry. And first, what tends to happen now is I start to laugh at myself, which is really helpful because talk about lightening the load of road rage. And then I look up, well, why am I angry? And I'm angry because my brain tells me that the person who cut me off has, has not noticed me. I am invisible to the person that cut me off and that person is rejecting me. Now, 
That is not true, probably. Why would I choose to believe that? No idea, but that's where my brain goes. So firstly, identify the character defect. Secondly, look at why it's there. Thirdly, thank you very much for it being there. I accept that that is a part of me. I can now get on with my day. It's amazing how quickly that kind of thing just disappears from my day when I do that. I ask God to take it and I move on with my day. Um, I don't have to, I don't have to change the action. And, and to the relief that came with realizing I didn't need to fix that was huge and very, very profound for me. Um, God, eight, make, make a list of all persons we had harmed. So that, you know, again, steps building one on top of the other. Make, make a list of all persons we had harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Um, yeah, I, like I said, step four showed me fear, showed me where I'd misbehaved in sex, showed me where I'd misbehaved with my resentments and made it very easy for me to make a list. Very easy for me to make a list. Thank you. And then to look at, at the simplicity, it's very, very simple. Step nine, made amends to all persons I had harmed. My sponsor sat with me and we went through <laughs> what the harm was that I thought that I had done and whether that person deserved an amends. And then a very simple what, what's best for me, here we go, is I found that I work better when I write things down and then when I read that thing that I wrote. Because when I sit in front of somebody and have to apologize, I freeze. And so I, I didn't want to risk that, number one. And number two, I wanted to say what was necessary and make sure I said it all. Um, and it was, it was so simple. It was, I did hello whoever, and this is sitting face to face with that person. I did this thing at this place and I am sorry for whatever hurt this caused you. My amended behavior is whatever. I will do my best to do that going forward. And they then had the chance to to talk to me about what, what I had done and what I said. Um, and sometimes the person, I've had a mix of responses. I've had, you don't even remember what you're talking about. Um, or I've had, yeah, I knew that you did that, but it, it really didn't bother me. Or I've had, you did that, it really bothered me and I appreciate your apology. I feel fortunate, I haven't had anybody that outright was like, you did that, I don't wanna to talk to you. And like my sponsor says, I cannot go in with expectations. And um, if somebody has that response, I am no longer responsible for that because I have cleared my side of the street. And very, very helpful and to continue to clear my side of the street moves me on to step 10 where I where I am currently working the way that, that 
I work is going through AA 12 and 12, highlighting what stands out to me, OA 12 and 12, highlighting what stands out to me, and then answering the questions in the OA um, workbook. So step 10 is about, for me, really checking what I've done. I have something right now that's going on in my brain that I need to check in with my ex because I did something inappropriate the other day and it's on my mind. I know when things now stay on my mind, there's a cleanup to do. I've got to do a cleanup, otherwise I'm gonna hold on to that. Holding on to that leads me down the road of, am I gonna eat this food? So that for me is how the, the steps build on one another. I, I do think that there's an important aspect that um, I don't know that, you know, not everybody has to talk about this, but I, I will share uh, that a part of my recovery is working, um, working the steps and outside help. Those two things working parallel to one another, they cross over all the time and help me so often to, to understand myself and to move forward through this program and to also look at my behaviors and start to find solution in those behaviors or look at what I've done and find solution in, in, in what I've done or what I'm going through. So that's the first thing. The second thing it's taken me a very, very, very long time to, um, to, it took me a very long time to see a psychiatrist uh, and to be, to be um, given medication for chronic generalized anxiety that I had no idea that I had. I had no idea. I was just walking along. I can give you that. It was very, I was working the steps and yet it was very difficult for me in my brain was this thing of why do I come at this from this negative viewpoint? I don't know why. I don't know why I feel I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders. I want to come at this from a positive viewpoint. I know what that viewpoint is, and yet there's something in me that will not allow that. That's a very quick way of saying this. The addition of uh, medication for me has changed my life and changed my program. Um, that is not for everybody, but what I can, what I can say is, some of us need it and I just want, I want to make sure that for me there is no shame in the fact that I need medication, that I in actual fact love this medication that I'm on, that it has changed, it's changed my outlook on life, it's changed how I respond to situations, it has not changed the fact that I am a compulsive overeater. I'd love to tell you that it had, it has not. I'm still given the chance and uh, not working the program, going to eat too much food. It's a way that it's, it's, it's an old pattern. It's, it's still there. And the medication makes no difference to that. What it does make a difference to is how quickly I can get into solution, how well this program works for me. Um, I'll leave that there. I just think it's important to know um, that that has been an important part and it's only happened in the last year of a five-year program. Um, 
program helped me understand that I was searching for validation in a place I wasn't going to get it. And part of my pain was coming from wanting to be validated for who I was, but living a life that did not equal who I was. I had manipulated myself to be what other people needed to me to be so much that I will tell you when I walked into program, I had no clue who I was. Not a clue. Didn't know what I liked. Didn't know what music I liked to listen to. Um, I hated that question. What music do you like? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know. Turns out I like UK girl groups, pop groups. It's absolutely the gayest thing in the world and I love it. It's amazing. I've been listening to it all day as I've been cleaning this house. Love it. And here's the difference. I used to feel shame for liking what I liked. And now I don't. And that is in huge part to this program, another program that I work, therapy and medication. I don't have to worry about anything because I only have to concern myself with whether God loves me or not. And my God, not the one I grew up with, the one that I decided for myself in step two, loves me no matter what. And loves me being gay, in actual fact, created gay people as far as I'm concerned. Um, loves me for my sexuality, loves me for having principles, loves me for having opinions. They might not be for everybody, but they're for my God. And I'm okay with it. Um, does that mean I'm always okay? No. Um, I'll give you, I'll, I'll close with, with this, just, just um, to give you an idea that this is not a perfect thing. I uh, had a um, medical, sort of like a medical scare in the last two weeks, uh, and I needed to be tested for, um, for a lump, just say that much. And um, I'd already decided that my doctor has no bedside manner, which in some cases is true, but that's important because I created a story. And so when he sent me for the test, the deal with it all was I had the test and then um, the lady who did the test said to me, uh, you call your doctor tomorrow and you will find out the results. So um, I was working throughout the day on the Tuesday and um, the Wednesday I uh, called my doctor at 11.30 and the secretary was like, no, you'll have to talk to your doctor. He'll call you around one. So I'll tell you that in the UK, you don't have to wait for that. The secretary, if the results are good, will give you those results. That's just how it works. So I started freaking out that the doctor had to talk to me. Thankfully, program, God has taught me to reach out. So I reached out to my friend. I also reached out to a fellow and both of them were like, James, they're very worried about being sued here. So the doctor has to give you the results, whatever. Okay, that didn't help, I'll be totally honest. My brain had lost its shit by this point. It was, it was like, I've got it, I've got cancer. I, I'm, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Um, I don't know how I'm gonna tell my mom. I mean, really, it was going for it. And I let loose on a meeting in, on Wednesday evening. Um, 
shared my feelings. They were very supportive, went to bed, woke up. The feelings had moved somewhat because that's what happens. Um, and I called my doctor in the morning. He was available. He spoke to me. And the first thing he said was, James, did you, um, did you get the message I left you on Tuesday? So I was like, well, no, I didn't. He was like, oh, okay. And we went into it. I'm very grateful to say everything is fine. I'm very fortunate. I feel very fortunate. But here's the thing. I ignored a number on Tuesday that called me because I didn't recognize it. And my rule is, if they're calling, I don't pick up. They'll leave me a message. However, I didn't take the voicemail that was also left for me from the area that the doctor is in. When I listened to the message, he would have given me my test results on Tuesday afternoon. So, I am responsible for the fact I didn't pick up that call, I didn't listen to the voicemail, and then I put myself through Wednesday because I told myself a story about the doctor already. So I just wanna share, like, it is not perfect. God had been, I had been great with God right up until that Wednesday, and then, I, and then my, my will took over. What I will say is it would have been a hell of a lot worse without five years of programming tools. I am grateful for this program. I really do love it. Uh, I'm so grateful to see newcomers. I'm grateful to see people taking chips. Um, this stuff works. It is life-changing and the promises are true. I was amazed before I was halfway through and when is halfway? Who knows? But um, I'm amazed and I'm grateful. Thank you.